بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد الحمد للہ از درڈ آف ڈسمبر ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ سیکنڈ of the eminent companion, Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiyallahu. And I've started the subsection now in which I'm mentioning where his blessed name is mentioned during the campaigns. And the last report I mentioned was the Battle of Mu'adha. So this was eight years after the Hijrah and the Muslim force of just 3,000 had to face a uh, huge Byzantine force of around 200,000. So the odds are obviously now 66 to 67 to 1 in favor of the unbelievers. And then I mentioned that Abu Huraira radiyallahu, he was, he became apprehensive seeing the huge numbers. And one of the Badri said that you were not with us at Badr. It is not with large numbers that we are assisted. So this is recorded in Behaqi al-Bidaya al-Isab Hayat al-Sahab. So what did he mean by this? This is important to clarify. So in Badr, the unbelievers were three to one numerically superior than the believers. So obviously he's not referring to that aspect of Badr. What he was referring to was that Badr, we were fighting family. Fathers were fighting sons, brothers were fighting brothers, etc, etc. So it was a unique battle. And, of course, the odds were in favor of the unbelievers. So, Fa'abidi bin Arkham told Abu Huraira, it is not with numbers that we are assisted, meaning it's with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. During this momentous encounter, seeing the overwhelming numbers of the enemy, Some of the companions, radiyallahu ta'ala anhum, broke off and left the battlefield. Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu was amongst them, which I'll mention at the relevant time. So what happened? During that fateful encounter, the commanders fell as martyrs. The first commander was Zayd ibn al-Haritha radiyallahu. He fought bravely, he was martyred. The second commander was Ja'far ibn Abu Talib. Hazrat Ali's older brother, radiyallahu, he was martyred. The third was Abdullah ibn Rawaha, he was martyred. So, it looked like it was going against the believers. They were being flooded by the unbelievers. So some of the companions, and this shows their human qualities, they broke off and they left the battlefield. So what happened? In Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 2, page 313 of the New English Translation, Abdullah ibn Umar, radiyallahu ma'ahi, said, I was among some of them who retreated. So also Abdullah ibn Umar left the battlefield. Then as we were returning to Al-Madinah, we said, what shall we do? We have fled from battle and we are returning now with the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So those who had left the battlefield, they grieved. They came together because what should we do? We're definitely under the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We then said, 
let us rather present ourselves before Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If we are forgiven, fine. Otherwise, we will leave. So they thought, look, we need to go back and show our face to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If we are forgiven, alhamdulillah. If not, we will leave, i.e. in disgrace. We then went to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam before the Fajr salah. So it was still dark. When he emerged from his chamber, he asked, Who are you? We replied, We are those who fled Ya Rasulullah. He thereupon replied most tenderly, Rather, you are those who have returned to your base only to seek reinforcements and then to again return to the fight. Verily, indeed, I am your base. And the base for all the Muslims. We then came forward and kissed his auspicious hand. So what happened? They thought the best time to show our face is before Fajr. So they came during the dark. And then when they saw the Prophet, the Prophet asked what happened. Because we fled. And they were expecting now the kitchen sink to be thrown at them. But what did the Prophet say? And I'm going to explain these statements he made. You have returned to return to the fight. In other words, you haven't fled. Because I am your base. I am the base. and the base for all the Muslims. And they then, in relief, all went forward and kissed the Prophet's hand. In another report, Abdullah ibn Umar added, We said, Ya Rasulullah, we had intended not to enter al Madinah, but to undertake a sea voyage to a foreign land. He reassured us by saying, never do such a thing. For I, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, am the base for every Muslim. This is in Abu Dawood, Tirmidhi, Hassan, Ibn Majah, Ahmad, Behaki, volume 9, page 77, Ibn Sa'ad, in his tabakat, 4-107, Hayat al-Sahab, volume 2, page 314 of the New English Translation. So look how forward and straightforward the companions were. Like you say in today's day and age, own it. In the Yumas they say, own it, meaning that you made a mistake. You know, take responsibility. So they took responsibility. Because we were intending even, we had that on our thought, Ya Rasulullah, that we're going to go to another land. We were that shamed. And the Prophet said, never do this. I am the base for every Muslim. So now what was the Prophet referring to? Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So obviously we know he forgave them. That's straightforward, sallallahu alayhi wa But he kept on saying to them, I am the base. I am the base for every Muslim. Our beloved messenger as always, sallallahu alayhi wa was referring to the Quran. In Surah Al-Anfal, Surah 8, verse 16, Allah the Almighty and Glorious, he says, If any do turn his back to them on such a day, Unless it be in a stratagem of war or to retreat to a base, he then draws on himself the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his abode is hell, an evil refuge. So look how clear the verse is. What does Allah the Almighty and Glorious say? Whoever flees, whoever, in other words, takes, retracts his steps on the battle, 
But then he makes two exceptions. Unless it is a strategy of war, meaning this was a plan. You were engaging, but the plan was we're going to retreat and there's a plan involved here. Or or to retreat to a base. What does the Quran say? Or to retreat to a base of his own. If you don't have those two excuses, you draw on yourself the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his abode is hell. <coughs> so simply put, our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa clarified to the companions, their crime was not really grave. For they had returned to their base, ready to combat the unbelievers once more, or on instructions from their Amir, who was our beloved messenger himself at the time. So notice the Prophet saying things. If you're not acquainted with the Quran, you don't know what he's referring to. You know, just ask the Muslims, what did the Prophet mean by that? When the companions fled, and he says, I am the base for every Muslim. No. What, even in English you think what does that mean the prophet is referring to the Quran because you didn't really flee if you fled you wouldn't have come back to me you've come back to the base then Allah those the other holy verse surah al-anfal surah 8 verse 15 Allah the almighty and glorious says Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu idha laqeetumulladheena kafaru zahfan fala tawalluhumul adbar O you who believe, when you meet the unbelievers in battle, do not turn your backs to them. There is a verse. If you just look at that verse without commentary, it means it's absolutely forbidden. When you engage with the enemies that you flee or you retract. And also the hadith in Sayyid Bukhari and Muslim, our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, protect yourselves from the seven destructive things, ascribing partners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, practicing witchcraft, taking a soul that Allah the Almighty has forbidden except with a warrant, indulging in usury, misappropriating the wealth of orphans, deserting the battlefield and slandering a pure Muslim woman who does not even think of sinning. So this is a very famous hadith, the seven destructive sins, shirk, witchcraft, murder, usually misappropriating the wealth of orphans. What was the sixth thing the Prophet mentioned? Deserting battles. So the Quran says, you must not turn your backs to the unbelievers. The Hadith Bukhari and Muslim says it's one of the destructive sins. This verse and that Hadith does not in reality apply to the companions at all. So this is where a grave mistake can be made. You can see it now at Mu'ta. Some of the companions fled from battle. Then you ask them, so what's your point? So they say, look, they committed a great, great crime. So why did they commit a great, great crime? So they'll start quoting here. Yeah. Because what the Quran says, don't turn your back to the unbelievers. Surah 8 verse 15. The Prophet said, Bukhari and Muslim, one of the seven destructive sins is deserting the battlefield. And he goes, so the matter is clear. 
And the response is, you need a head examination. <laughs> You're fighting full with Sahaba. <laughs> so the response is, that doesn't apply to them. Mufti Muhammad Ashik Ilahi Muhajir Madani, Rahmatullah in Anwarul Bayan, volume 4, page 169 to 171 of the English translation, he said to explain, fleeing from the battlefield is permissible in two cases. The first case is when the army pretends to retreat, but really intends to alter the battle strategy. They may then resume the battle on another field that is more suitable for them, or they may attack another contingent of the enemy. All these types of war maneuvers are included in the holy verse, Surah 8 verse 16, unless it be in a stratagem of war. So the first thing the Sheikh mentioned is that this is one reason that you can retreat. Then he said, the second exception is when the army retreats to join another army, who will then act as reinforcements to launch a fresh attack on the enemy. This is referred to in the part of the verse, the same verse, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, or to retreat to a base. Then the Shaykh said, the jurists, rahimahumullah, they have also mentioned it is prohibited to desert the battlefield when the enemy is less than, equal to, or at the most double the number of Muslims. If they number more than the double the size of Muslims, it will then be permissible to leave the battlefield. This can be deduced from the verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Anfal, Surah 8 verse 66, Awadhi Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem, إِيَّكُمْ مِنْكُمْ عِشْرُونَ صَابِرُونَ يَغْلِبُوا مِعَتَيْنَ وَإِيَّكُمْ مِنْكُمْ مِئَةُ يَغْلِبُوا أَلْفًا مِنَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا If there be a hundred of you who are steadfast, they will then overcome two hundred. And if there be a thousand of you, they will then overcome two thousand. So this is a very important point that the Shaykh is mentioning. Because the Imams have mentioned that it is a great, great crime to leave the battlefield under three scenarios. Mm -hmm. The enemy is less than your in number. <laughs> so if you are numerically superior and you leave, you've committed a great crime. <laughs> Secondly, your enemy is equal to you in number. <laughs> if you leave the battlefield, you've committed a great crime. <laughs> or at the most they are double the number of Muslims. So think about that. They can be double the number. You leave, you committed a great crime. Where's the proof of that? Because the Quran says, if you are a hundred, you are steadfast, you will overcome two hundred. So two to one ratio. So this is another factor. And there's a final factor. Our beloved messenger also said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, an army of 12,000 can never be defeated due to dint of numbers. This is in Abu Dawood, Tirmidhi and Mishkat. Shaykh al-Bani authenticates it in Sahih al-Jami number 3278. So if that, you know, they call it the magical number. If that number is reached where you have 12,000 Muslims, solid Muslims, then you can't be defeated, the Prophet said.
If you are defeated, there's something wrong with the Muslims. So let's summarize this so that you understand what's happening. The noble companions who left the battlefield on the day of Mu'tah did not commit a grave sin. How do we know? First reason. The odds were 66 to 1 in favor of the unbelievers. Second reason. The companions had not reached the treasured number of 12,000. There were only 3,000 or so in number. Third reason. They retreated to regather and strengthen to once more launch themselves against the unbelievers. So how on earth have they, have they committed a great crime? In conclusion, though it is not relevant to the above incident, the blessed scholars Rahibahumullah have stated that the grave sin on unjustifiably leaving the battlefield can also be forgiven by sincere repentance. For no other than Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself stated about the participants of the battle of Hunayn in Surah Tawbah, Surah 9, verse 27. <laughs> then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted the repentance of whomsoever he willed. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is most forgiving, the most merciful. Surah 9 verse 27. So what happened? In the battle of Hunayn, how many Muslims? 3,000. Battle of Hunayn. Anybody know? When did the battle of Hunayn take place? You should be acquainted. How many times am I narrating about the battles and you're still clueless? After the ba- the conquest of Makkah, Makkah fell. Then there was the battle of Hunayn. The numbers, they had reached that treasured number, 12,000. Then there was the ambush. And what happened? They, they, they left the Prophet So what happened? Allah said clearly in the Quran, Allah accepted the repentance of whomsoever he willed, meaning you committed a great crime. Why? Because now there's no excuse. The odds were, yes, they were slightly more in number, they were double the number. But that also is not going to the text. So there was no legal excuse for you to leave. Rasulullah is protected from any crime. So he was going forward. Only a hundred companions remained firm, according to a hadith in Tirmidhi from Abdullah ibn Umar. So Allah mentioned in this verse that even though you committed a great crime, I will forgive it. That is not relevant to the battle of Mu'tah because they didn't commit a great crime. Have you understood? In the battle of Hunayn, that's what happened. And this also proves the companions are not ma'asun. They can fall into sin. Some people go to the other extreme because the companions are infallible. No, they're not. The companions can fall into sin, even great sins. But Allah has promised that when they leave the world, they are forgiven and they leave with His pleasure. And we don't look for these faults because that's hypocrisy on our part. Hafiz ibn Kathir, he also clarified Rahmatullah upon a common misconception at this stage by stating, those who fled and were rebuked by someone they returned to Al-Madinah 
was not the main army of Khalid bin Walid but those who had broken away when the armies had clashed so what happened going back to the battle so you got 3,000 Muslims the three commanders are martyred they fought bravely it wasn't a case where they just died one after the other you know one of them died and a few hours later the second commander fell as a martyr a few hours later the third commander fell so it's very important to highlight that so how many kuffar did they take out? You can imagine. Then there was no commander. Rasulullah he's seeing this miraculous and he's saying to the companions in Al-Madina, Zayd ibn al-Haritha has fought bravely, he has been martyred. Then there was a pause. Then later the Prophet said, Jafar ibn Abu Talib has fought bravely, he has been martyred. There was a pause. Later the Prophet said, Abdullah ibn Rawaha has fought bravely, he has been martyred. Now think about this. These are miracles. Did anybody ask the Prophet what's happening? Did anybody prompt him? You're a Prophet, tell us what's happening on the battlefield. Even if they did prompt him, was he wrong? So imagine they came back and they what happened? And they go, the, mar- the commanders have been martyred. So look how amazing these signs are of the, of the Prophet. So when they were now leaderless, one of the Badris, he picked the flag up and he's thinking, who can take the flag now at this critical moment? Because we're on the verge of defeat. And his eyes fell upon Khalid bin Walid. So he goes, Khalid, take the command. So Khalid said, You fought in Badr. He goes, I'm not worthy for the command. He goes, No. He goes, Only you can take the command. So the command was given to Khalid. Meanwhile, back in Al Madina, the Prophet then his face lit up. He goes, Now a sword from the swords of Allah has taken command. So Khalid radiyallahu saw the situation and you know what an introduction if you think about that. Somebody says to you what was uh, the first time that we got to know about Khalid? It's like pushing somebody into the deep end. He's in battle. Commanders are dead. Radiyallahu ta'ala. 3,000 Muslims are buckling. 200,000 Romans are swarming. So what does he do? He, he goes launch into them <laughs> when he launches full flight into them he set the standard so high that in Sayyid Bukhari Khalid bin Walid himself said I broke nine swords on the day of Mu'tah and then I used my trusted Yemeni blade <laughs> so again we're not, you know, we don't know about warfare battlefield in those days but he wasn't breaking the sword against the rock. How do you break a sword? The sword is designed to cut through armor. He's broke one sword. How many kufar did Ibn Katir said did he send to the hellfire with that first sword? Then he got another sword. Now where is he getting these swords from? The scholars say he was picking them up. He broke one, he picked another one, broke one, picked another, broke, no, he broke nine. Then he had to use his Yemeni blade. So was he set in the standard? So this gave encouragement. Then what happened? They broke off. There was a lull. Because 
of the intense fighting, they pulled pulled back for the short lull. Then what happened was he managed to save the day. Why? Because the sun had set. Then Khalid bin Walid radiallahu in his military genius, he said, right. He changed the commander of the flanks. He goes, you on the right, you go on the left. You on the left, you go on the right. Then he sent another bike. bike. He goes, you go and you keep coming after intervals in batches to give the impression we're getting reinforcements. So the next day, you know, Roman thinking should be a quick job now. Khalid goes attack. They weren't expecting that. So they're on their back foot again. They're thinking, these guys are crazy. Then as they're fighting ferociously, a small batch comes. So the commander of the Romans, he's thinking, oh my God, reinforcements are coming. They still fight. They continue fighting for a while. The next batch comes. The commander loses more courage. He goes, more reinforcements. After the bit, he pulls back. He goes, he goes look, we can't even deal with 3,000. If more are coming, we're in danger. They themselves broke away. So Khalid bin Walid, he saved the day. Allah. The Prophet said in Sayyid Bukhari, Allah the Almighty will give him victory. So it wasn't just a stalemate, it was a victory. Khalid defeated them. So now, when the Muslims return from battle, so think about this, we've discussed those who fled. Did they commit a great crime? No, they didn't. But because they were so God-fearing, they considered it to be a great crime. The Prophet goes, no, you came back to the base, it's fine. But others, they actually came back away from the others. You understand? It was they who were rebuked when they came back to al Madina. It wasn't the main army of Khalid. Hafiz ibn Kathir said in his seed of volume 3, page 336 of the English translation, the Muslims would never have called them runaways after Rasulullah's statement of victory. But would rather have met them with honor and respect. Rebuking and throwing dirt would only have been done to those who had fled and abandoned them there. So, have you understood the point? The Prophet said, Allah Ta'ala will give him victory, Khalid. The Sahaba heard that. So, why would they rebuke Khalid's army on their return? When the Prophet said they've been given victory, it makes no sense. So, who were being rebuked then? So then you say, was it those who fled? No, because they came before Fajr. It was others. Those who had come with no excuse. They were being rebuked. So now, why have I mentioned all this? Because of Abu Huraira's life. Abu Huraira was not spared. For he himself said, there was a problem between my cousin and myself. Because we had an altercation. However, I could not reply to him when he provoked me by saying, were you not one of those who fled during the battle of Mu'adha? Because I had no reply. This is in Hakim in his Mustadrak, volume 3, page 42, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 2, page 312 of the New English Translation. So what happens when people get a bit hot under the collar? People, they start saying things. And obviously they don't mean it. It's just that they want to hurt the person because they consider themselves to be hurt. So that's very important to understand. When people are angry, they don't mean what they're saying. They're just trying to hurt you. So the person, the, the cousin of Abu Huraira, 
But he got angry with Abu Huraira. He goes, weren't you one of those who fled the bottle of water? And Abu Huraira, he owned it because I had no response. So now if I just quoted that hadith without any, you know, details, what would you think of Abu Huraira? <laughs> You're thinking, well, he's not a warrior. Stay the way you've lied. Well, you know, he wasn't courageous. Stay the way you've lied. So what do you realize? Don't talk about the Sahaba. You may get text which apparently indicates some negativity, but you don't know the details. Then you say, well, why did Abu why did Abu Huraira testify to it? Because they owned it. They considered minor failings huge. What did Abdullah ibn Masood say? In Sayyid Muslim. He said, the believer sees his sins like a mountain over his head. The far sick, the degenerate, sees his sins like a fly on his nose. So Abu Huraira, which one is he? He's the one with the... He's, he's thinking, oh my God, what have I done? But notice, we don't find fault with them. Obviously, in that scenario, you can expect something could happen to, of that nature. To finish with this, this error of judgment was, however, never repeated by Abu Huraira. How do we know? Mujahid Rahmatullah, he said, Sayyidina Abu Huraira was once engaged in ribat, eye guarding from the attack of enemies. When people ran to the coast in terror, I upon hearing of an impending attack, while Sayyidina Abu Huraira all the while had steadfastly remained at his post. A man thereupon passed him and asked, Ma yukifukaya Abu Huraira? What keeps you standing here, O Abu Huraira? He replied, I have heard Rasulullah say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Mawkifu sa'itin fi sabirillahi khayran min qiyamil laylatil qadri indal hajaril aswad. Standing God for one hour in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is better than praying all night on the night of Qadr before the black stone. Subhanallah. This is in Behaki Ibn Hiban in his Al-Ihsan 7-61 with a Sahih chain of transmission, Talheem number 954, Hafiz Dimyati Rahmatullah in his Al-Majjal Al-Rabi Fi Thawab Al-Amal Salih number 1031. So let's look at this. He's doing Rebat. Rebat is when you're guarding for a surprise enemy attack. This is Rebat. So Abu Huraira is standing guard. People, they're panicked because an alarm rose that there's going to be a huge impending attack. Abu Huraira remained like a rock. Didn't move. So one person running past, he stops. He goes, why are you standing, O Abu Huraira? <laughs> and what did he say? This shows you cannot catch up those who do jihad in the battlefield. <laughs> Dream on us, they say. <laughs> the Prophet said, standing God for an hour in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is better than praying all night on Laylatul Qadr before the black stone. <laughs> Somebody goes, what? <laughs> What's the reward for praying around the Kaaba? Multiplies 100,000 times. More than 100,000. Correct. 
What if it's uh, Ramadan? Normal night of Ramadan. Hundred thousand times thousand. So that's more than ten million. Correct? Mm. What if it's Lerathul Qadr? He goes, brother, look. He goes, my maths isn't brilliant. You know, you're coming out with... What are you asking? Ten million times it by 83 plus years. 83 million plus years. One hour of Rebat is greater than 83 million years of Salat next to the black stone. What goes to your heart when you hear that? Mm-hmm. Well, how am I supposed to? But there you go. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is how virtuous that deed is. Mm-hmm. People say, what's the reward for Ribat? I don't even know what Ribat is. Because Ribat. Like, no, not Ribat. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> that's, you know, usually. Ribat. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, well, that's guarding. What about doing jihad? Well, you work here, ain't it, brother? Mm-hmm. Just to add this. Hakimin is mustadrak sahih to the criteria of Bukhari, Tawheem number 959. Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhu marilays that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah unabbi'ukum laylatan afdala min laylatil qadr. Shall I not inform you of the night that is even more excellent than the night of qadr? Subhanallah. حَادِسًا فِي أَرْضِ خَوْفٍ لَأَلَّهُ أَنْ لَا يَرْجِعَ إِلَىٰ أَهْلِ The one in which a God keeps vigil at a fearful place such where he might not be able to return to his family. Subhanallah. What night is greater than Laylatul Qadr? Now think about that. You know, we die for Laylatul Qadr. The Quran mentions it, a whole surah is dedicated to it. It's you know, the greatest night of the year. Isn't that great? <laughs> My God, brother, greater than the greatest night. Because yes, it is. But what's that? The one in which a God keeps vigil at a fearful place, not a secure place, at a fearful place where he might not be able to return to his family. So if you are doing Rebat at a secure place, mashallah, you get a great reward. But it has to be a place where you're thinking this is very dangerous. <laughs> the perimeter where the unbelievers are and they're ready to attack mm. that person surely deserves it <laughs> and this hadith is sahih to the criteria of Bukhari so now why have I mentioned this about Abu Huraira did he make the same mistake mm-hmm. think about that you know human beings make mistakes yeah. you know he left the battlefield on the field of Mu'tah he was it hurt him but you can tell that he thought Ya Allah if you give me another chance I'm not going to do it I'll prove myself And Allah Ta'ala showed it. Everybody, imagine, look, picture the scene, everybody's running, running, and he's just there like a rock. And one of them goes, what are you, what are you doing? He goes, no, I have to do this. That one hour, how much reward did he get? And don't forget, he wasn't there for an hour. We don't know how long he was standing there. And the other reward of the person of Rebat, he continues to get the rewards till the day of judgment. So if he dies, he will get the reward of Rebat till the day of judgment. So millions of years at Laylatul Qadr next to the black stone, he's still getting it. Those people who've died in that state. So what does that tell you? This is where the ultimate rewards are. But I mean, I shy at that. You know, somebody goes, oh, don't talk about it. You get locked up. Stop, stop. You're, this is our deen. Right? And we're not shy of it. But at the same time, don't you feel sad? We haven't got the opportunity. Can you imagine all this effort we're making? 
A guy was one hour and he starts laughing at you. We won't laugh at you. But he goes, catch me up then. Right? Imagine that one, innit? Knock yourself out in Ramadan. What are you going to do, brother? Give some sadaqah, right? MashaAllah, innit? And there you go, right? And Abu Huraira was raking it in and we'll discuss his worship at the relevant time as well, inshallah. So all I discussed today was basically Abu Huraira on the battlefield. And I mentioned a very, very important clarification about the Battle of Mu'tah. Why? Because the companions did leave the battlefield. But it wasn't a major slip. They considered it major because of their piety. And then I mentioned when does it become a major slip? And there's relevant details. And then I mentioned, of course, Abu Huraira never made that mistake again. Are there any questions you like to ask? Subhanallah <laughs>